I've always needed a lot of attention, you know? <laughs> it was the most fun I've ever had, <laughs> ever, doing stand-up. My manager usually pitches me as the Disney princess of dick jokes, so... You can use, like, the cone and the ladder. <laughs> and we were like, what do you think we do? <laughs> the few laughs I got were enough to be like, oh, I need another hit of that. It's like rocket fuel to your career. Wow, I was right. I should keep doing this. I'm amazing. You know, I mean, I've been doing it almost two years when I was like, I guess I'll go to law school. It's like, I'm sorry, please enjoy my dick jokes over your pasta. I think it's the most fun, soul-crushing thing you could possibly be involved in. Oh yeah, I'm not terrible. And oh right, there's a thing I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to In the Springs, episode number 78. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with two fantastic young stand-up comedians out of Los Angeles by way of Denver, Justine Marino and Troy Walker. This episode was recorded on January 7th at the legendary Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. I had a terrific conversation with Justine and Troy. We cover their start in stand-up comedy, the showbiz life out of Los Angeles, and the unique road both have taken up to this point in their careers. Justine and Troy have an infectious energy and optimism. Uh, I had a blast catching up with them before their weekend run at the club. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy, because stand-up comedians Justine Marino and Troy Walker are in the springs. It's going to sound amazing, you'll see. Okay. Love that. All right. Wait, so we're recording right now. We're doing it. So with, chew away, man. With snacks my, in my mouth. My, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm okay right now. It's, it's not a load-bearing pipe. I'll take some. Wait, some. is it weed chocolate or just chocolate? Wait, is it butter or <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> Actual chocolate? Person chocolate? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> La di da. <laughs> La di da. No, thank you. Do you want anything? You don't do weed chocolate. But I have to ask because it's Colorado. But do do you, have you ever done weed chocolate? I had some weed Laffy Taffy and did nothing. You have to have enough, you know? Sometimes you'll have too much and you'll be high for 15 hours. (laughs) I found out the hard way during a viewing of The Notebook. (laughs) (laughs) How many many things have you said that exact thing, same thing about <laughs> How many things did you find out the hard, out way, the hard way during the viewing of the notebook? Oh, man. I feel like that's like 50% of the things it's you a found lot out of, the hard it's way. It's a lot of my life, as I found out during the notebook. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the podcast. We're all done. Cool. That was that's good. All Thank I you. Was the band. <laughs> all right. So I've got uh, Justine Marino and uh, Troy Walker. Yep. To uh, out of Los Angeles by way of Denver. Yes. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show, you Thank guys. Thank you. Now, Troy, I've known you for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, Justine, haven't had a chance to meet you, but did a little digging online and checked that. out some of your stuff, so oh, very cool stuff. Perfect, thanks. All right, so I wanted to start off, I don't know a lot about uh, either of your backgrounds as far as how you got into comedy, why on earth you would get into comedy, so if you guys could give me kind of the history of how you ended up sure. in this lovely green room at Looney's. Um, I was a fat only child, and now I'm a comedian. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can we get the long version of this? No, I, uh, my dad's a producer, and uh, so he's. I've always been around the business. He started putting putting me in commercials when I was very young, and I don't think he thought it would stick. But surprise! Now was that out of Denver? Uh, actually, that was in Atlanta when I did my first commercial. He worked okay. for CNN. Um, and then we moved here when I was in the fourth grade and he worked for Stars and Encore. And then he actually lived in Los Angeles when I was in high school and worked for Hallmark Entertainment and would commute back and forth to see me and my mom, which was plenty for us to see him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then he, um, he opened his own production company and they did a lot of work for Disney. They did... Um, uh, most of the Baby Einstein movies, if you guys remember those. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, the way I got to Los Angeles, I was studying theater, film, and uh, TV at college at CU Denver. And um, so I was on the fast track to unemployment. And, uh, you know, we went out, just, it was just going to be for the summer to LA. And I just ended up refusing to leave and started taking classes at the Groundlings, which is an improv school. And 
then eventually stumbled into stand-up. Well, now, as a father, I know my kids tend to do the opposite of what I want them to do or what I'm doing. Sure. So did you ever have that inclination where it's like, I'm getting away from the business, I've seen how hectic the schedule, you know, whatever it is, did you ever not have that pull no, to do it? No, I've always needed a lot of attention, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I've just always, it's, it's since I was very little, it's all I've really wanted to do. I remember I wanted, I saw a movie about like an artist and I wanted to be an artist and then I saw The Cutting Edge and wanted to be a figure skater and then I saw like (laughs) some horseback riding thing and wanted to ride horses and then I was like, maybe I'll just try and be an actress and then I can do all those things. Thank God you didn't see showgirls. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) These were all, these were all Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. They were. uh, (laughs) All the adventures of MK and Ash. (laughs) All of them, all of them were Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I do love the Olsen (laughs) Don't mean this in a disparaging way at all, but you have a very Disney vibe to you. Oh, thank you. You know, like, and so I can kind of see where you would be drawn to that. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I do. My man. Aesthetically, I think. Oh, thank you. Materially, might be a little different. Thank you. Would that be disparaging? (laughs) I don't know that that's disparaging, but it would be hilarious if it was. Troy, you're not a Disney. Like if if Justine just stood up and like was like, this interview's over. Kicked over the mic. How dare you? That's funny. Yeah, that's my manager usually pitches me as the Disney princess of dick jokes. So I think that's an yeah. accurate representation. Nice, very nice. Yeah. Her name's Carla. Yeah. <laughs> the Disney princess. Carla. The Disney princess of dick jokes is named Carla. Nice. <laughs> she works in a bar. <laughs> the that's, princess. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's like Cinderella, but it's a bar. But in a bar. <laughs> that writes itself. That's All right, Troy, what about you? I know you've got a background uh, more kind of on the traditional education side, law, <laughs> finance, and now okay, here now you that's are. that's disparaging to Justine. <laughs> <laughs> really? Goddamn lawyer. You, your background's on the education <laughs> side. You're smart and had it together, right? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I always wanted to do it. I actually tried to get on at Comedy Works when I was in high school. I called when I was like 16 and they told me that I couldn't do it. Like they told me they, you know, I had to be 21. And I only found out later that it was just because I got some door staff guy that didn't know. Um, And apparently like if you'd had like your mom with you or whatever, you could have, you could go up whenever. Um, So I still have a chip on on my shoulder about that. they stole five years from your career. That guy, that well, that that guy, is has made an enemy for life. Um, <laughs> I don't know who it was, but when I find out, <laughs> uh, I'll crush him. Um, so I wanted to do it, and I wrote stuff and everything. I, you know, there was nowhere for for me to get up because everything else was in bars. So I just waited, and then when I was 21, one of my friends had actually. One of my friends from high school had taken a comedy class at the Community College of Denver with Greg Baumhauer, and Baumhauer ran the Squire Lounge. Legendary. Yeah. Yeah. And so this friend was like, yo, we can just go to this open mic and like hang out. Like, it'll be cool. And so we went over there. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll try to get up. And I had all this stuff that I'd written when I was like 16 or 17. (laughs) And I took it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I waited. And we just hung out and watched for a while. And then by the time I decided that I did want to go up, it was too full. So Greg was like, come back next week and I'll put you on. And I went up the next week and I felt like I did okay. But in retrospect, I definitely was bombing. Like 100% <laughs> was bombing. But at the same time, like I did it and, you know, I got like a couple laughs from some people. And then I was like, you know, I remember getting off stage like so hyped. And uh, so I was like, man, this is my calling. <laughs> like, immediately, like immediately it was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I came back the week after that. And I came back like, you know, you know, like how that, that thing where you, when you're new to something and you really are into it, oh, absolutely. you go over the top. Absolutely. So yeah, like yeah. I went back with like, I like went out immediately and got like a big composition notebook oh to God. like start scribbling stuff in. <laughs> and I, I remember the very next week I had all this new stuff that I'd written and I ate the amount of shit that I gobbled that night was like, like I just inhaling it. It was like, they were just, 
it was like, you know, like sterno traits and shit. <laughs> and just to kind of preface that story, anybody who knows the Denver comedy scene over the last decade, the the Squire is a legend. I don't know if it's still up and running, but when Baumhauer and those guys were running that, it was a notorious hellhole of a night because it was oh, started yeah. at like midnight on a yeah. Tuesday or something. Yeah. So your first time on stage to any comics listening to this. Yeah. Your first time on stage was at the Squire. My first three times on stage <laughs> were at the Squire. Um, that should get you a sitcom. Oh, dude. Just, yeah. Well, I, like, it was so hard. Like, it was like, it was because if you don't, again, like, to elaborate on that, it was a place that was nothing but hipsters and, like, drunks and homeless people. Right. There was no, it was on Colfax, so there was no door guy. So you would just get all this, like, Colfax wandering in yeah. the whole night. The police might come in and drag somebody out while you're on stage and it was and it had this real rep of being the hardest stage right. like, and they cultivated that they, they cultivated wanted that. that now have you done i've not done the squire yeah it, it's just one of those kind of the almost a parody of stand-up comedy where you know in the movie you see bottles flying and you know sure. a fight breaking oh, yeah. out and all, it was just like it was, was just otherworldly like yeah it was it was the most fun i've ever had <laughs> Ever disagree. doing stand-up, it consists <laughs> on a consistent basis. Yeah. You just never knew what was going to happen, um, but you had to figure it out because they did cultivate this. Like, I mean, there would probably be 150 people that were there, and they were there for comedy, but they were there to like fold their arms and be like, prove it, yeah, yeah, prove that you can, prove that you got anything good, and they would just sit there. They would give you like 15 seconds if they didn't know you. And in that 15 seconds, if you did not get a laugh, they would just start talking or they would just ignore you. Or the worst case, they would just stay quiet. And that was the worst. That's the worst. Let, you, let you wallow in that oh, yeah. silence. That's the worst. That was the worst. Well, and now, then Greg would like signal you to get off stage. It was horrible. Well, now a question <laughs> for both of you leading up to that first time on stage. And, and Justine, I don't know what your scenario was for your first time as a comedian grabbing a mic in front of strangers what was that mine, scenario for mine you? was at the ha ha cafe in north hollywood and it uh it it went pretty well but then again looking back at the tape i'm like what was i talking about <laughs> why would i say that aloud <laughs> i sent that tape to whitney cummings to give me notes <laughs> what was i thinking <laughs> did you really yeah she gave me notes she was very uh cool to me when i first started she was, it was before she had really blown up and I went to a lot of shows and she was hosting a show at the improv. That's how long ago it was. She was, ho she was the MC. Oh my God. And I went up to her immediately afterward and I was like, you're amazing. And she gave me her email and was like super cool and would, you know, kind of, she was my mentor kind of, uh, in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, really wish I hadn't sent her that tape, you know? <laughs> so like, early on in both of your careers, you know, obviously when you start out, either you start off and it went well enough to get back up on stage or it's the opposite and it's a nightmare. What, what, what was the draw for both of you to continue to do it? When you do, you know, that first time is uncomfortable. You don't remember what you said. Why on earth would you go, I'm going to do that again. That's, I have an addictive personality by nature, so the few laughs I got were enough to be like, oh, I need another hit of that, you know? Yeah, I think it was kind of the same thing. Like, the first time I went up, I felt like, you know, like I got some laughs over here, like over there, and even though the rest of the place was completely ignoring me, <laughs> and I remember the rush of that mm -hmm. So that was so great that, like, even though the next week... I bombed and the week after that I bombed and then I went started going to other mics and stuff and like sort of padding it out because the squire was just killing me inside Cons with this, this consistent like it was so hostile the whole the whole thing was just so negative and hostile yeah. I was describe it as like remember in Ghostbusters when all the slime is running to the same place <laughs> and the same? it was like that and so it was just all this negativity and I I had to figure it out so I would just after I'd like gone like three weeks and just kept eating it, then I started to go to other mics and I was like, I'm going to just, I'll figure it out at other places. And then when I thought I had some stuff that I would go back and bomb again, and then I'd go, I'd leave. <laughs> so, so opposite of that, what was the first time? And it doesn't have to be the actual venue or the scenario, but what was the first time where you crushed on stage where it was five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, end to end, you had the crowd. And, and what was that experience like where you actually felt like, they're, they're laughing at everything I'm saying. I've got these folks. I 
did a belly room show, which is a room at the comedy store. Um, it's the smaller room upstairs. Um, and I, I did a show there. And, uh, yeah, it went really well. I mean, it was a bringer show, though, so it's like half of the people were, like, my friends. But still, it was... But the other half weren't. Yeah, the other half so. weren't. So, and, I mean, to just... It was like, wow, I was right. I should keep doing this. I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm going to be Whitney Cummings next week. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be asking you for notes. Yeah, exactly. Can't <laughs> wait to give Whit my notes. <laughs> I think uh, I was just probably some open mic night. Like, probably one of those, you know, within a month or two or something, like, at, I don't know, either 404 or, like, the Laughing Bean or something like that, that I just had a really good set. The one that I remember, you know, because I would just keep going, I would always just keep going to the Squire, and I... I didn't sign up at Comedy Works for, you know, you remember, like, it used to take, your first week used to take, like, eight weeks of calling in to get on. So by the time I got on for my first two minutes, I'd been doing mics all over the place. So when I first went to Comedy Works with my first two, like, I could have, I ended up doing, I ran the light and did, like, five, and I was annihilating. (laughs) Like, I was, like, crushing so hard that Deacon actually... He was like, you did, even though I ran the light, he was like, you did really well. I'm going to get you on fast on for an, another time. And I think it took like four weeks or something yeah. for him to give me another one. So now, um, Justine, you started in L.A. Yes. And then, Troy, you were Denver. Yeah. What was the experience like for both of you to go outside of your, you know, quote, home city and do a show? Was it, did it feel a lot different or it's like people are people and they're going to get Justine or they're going to get Troy and here we go. You know, my first road gig was with Tom Green at the Pittsburgh Improv and it was so much better than the LA shows because they're just people. They want to laugh. It's not like LA, the crowds are like very hipster, a little, can be a little bit like, okay, we see, you know, Schumer make me laugh. You know what I mean? Like we see huge names, but the Pittsburgh people were so down to earth and just fun and like blue collar and yeah, they just, they were there to laugh, you know, whereas a lot of shows in LA are at restaurants or bars. Half of them aren't even going to see comedy. It's like, I'm sorry, please enjoy my dick jokes over your pasta, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And basketball game. Um, so yeah, it was, I was nervous for sure. And then right after that I did Caroline's in New York, with Tom and I was very afraid of the New York audiences. Um, and they were amazing too. I don't know. I feel like I started in one of the hardest cities and I'm, I'm glad I did now. Cause, uh, on the road it was, it felt easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you t- Cause I've heard that from a couple of LA based comedians that the, the crowds typically aren't there to see comedy, like you said, mm-hmm. either they're fellow comedians or they're industry yeah. people or whatever it is. Yeah. How can you tell that I'm doing well or I'm getting better or this bit has legs or whatever it is? Is it hard to judge? Yeah. Like, do you start to question your own? Yeah, that's why I come to Denver so much, so I can <laughs> practice. <laughs> so feel, yeah. yeah. Um, it's tough because, you know, it's either open mics or shows where it's a lot of industry. It's, you know, kind of known as a showcase town. And... Um, yeah, a lot of industry, well, they'll sit there and they're just taking you in so much that they're not even paying attention. So they're like thinking of what they could sell you as or if they can market you, you know. So it's just a totally different vibe than I do like the, the Ice House in Pasadena, I will say, does not have that vibe. And so I do a lot of shows there uh, because that has more of a normal crowd that's not all in the industry. And how how were you able to make like your first road gig with Tom Green? That's pretty high profile yeah, first gig i was very lucky well i mean i had been doing comedy for about three years and i did one of the things whitney told me uh was to just do as many spots as you can bringer shows open mics you know alleys whatever and so i was doing so many i was i would do like 14 sets a week which in la is really tough to do because they're so spread out but I, I would just, I had a little, you know, group of friends. It was like me and I started with um, Gerard Carmichael and um, uh, like Yasser Lester and those those people. And we would just go from spot to spot. And um, then, you know, other people who were kind of like up and coming would book you on their shows also. And I don't know, I just, I ended up on an improv show um, hosting and Eliza Schlesinger was on the show and her agent at the time 
was in the crowd and uh, wanted to rep me after that set. And then his first gig that he got me was with Tom Green at Caroline's and at the Pittsburgh Improv. So it was pretty cool. It was a pretty good. Yeah, I kind of it was kind of like a exactly how you want it to go, you know, where like I get seen, I get signed and then I get work, you know. So I did luck out uh, in that respect. But it was after three years of bombing and sometimes doing okay at <laughs> bringer shows. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then Troy, what about you when you first started working outside of Denver? How did that um, materialize for you? I went to Wyoming. So <laughs> fuck you. Justin. <laughs> With like, Tom Green though. No, I, 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 well, I just, no, no, no. <laughs> Tom Green was in Casper. No, I think it was, no, I would do like, um, you know, like shows in like, you know, you do, you would do like, the little little one nighter things around Colorado. Like I think one thing Deacon took me to with him to a Elks Lodge in Evergreen or something like that, where we yeah. were like, I remember, I still remember it because it was so it was so perfectly comedy because they had like a buffet first and then they had like these like tables and then thing <laughs> and then they had like they this like makeshift stage thing and then like the people who like painted the room had like left their ladder and some other stuff and they were like you can you can use that stuff in your act cool if you need it you can use like the cone and the ladder and we were like what do you think we do <laughs> but I it was used it they it's don't like a know. Cirque du Soleil kind yeah. of thing well, like they just don't they don't they're like what well, you're gonna make us laugh you're gonna be a th- right. you're gonna be a funny person aren't so. you a prop comic yeah so we I did stuff like that and then like you would start to do like the little one night kind of things like you just expand that out and start going to like Wyoming and stuff like that like I think that's kind of like the traditional Denver path is but did you feel like you had to cater your material any differently to those crowds or again it was Troy Walker this is what you're gonna well I think what ends up happening the the thing that I notice and I think it's kind of the reverse of what Justine's saying just because of where we were coming up is I think that because it's because it's like Wyoming and it's the middle of nowhere, they're just happy to get some <laughs> kind of entertainment. So they're good with anything. And then when I would go to like festivals and stuff, me and some of the other guys would talk about this. You would go to festivals and you would just feel so dirty. Like even though like in Denver, I felt like, you know, I was like one of the cleaner guys. I would go to like a festival and feel filthy because we don't have any TV or any of that kind of stuff to like you know and comedy works doesn't care so we don't have anything to buff that that out so you know and the squire was like notorious for like abortion jokes and like all this stuff and so you would go out and you'd you'd be i remember i did a i i did a showcase for the laughing skull comedy festival in it was in kansas city and i remember this i still remember this because it was it blew my mind because there was a guy one of the comics asked the club they were like is it do we have to be clean? And the club was like, they didn't tell us anything. We don't care. Do whatever. I was last. I was the first one to drop an F-bomb. And I, like, up the ante. Like, I was, like, filthy. <laughs> and, I mean, I killed, but, like, and I got into the thing. But it, that just kept happening. Like, I would go to stuff, and I would just be like, why am I so much... I'm not dirty in Denver. Why am I dirty now? Because you're like so clean compared to me. But, but I think it was like, I'm, I'm a little different now. Like I think I used to, I used to have a lot. I used to have a lot more squire jokes is Mm. what we used to call them. So they used to be like, they used to be pretty dirty. I mean, I'll probably I'll do some tonight. Please do your squire set. No, seriously, <laughs> I will. I'll seriously do some tonight, and I guarantee you, there'll be stuff that you haven't heard, and you'll be like, Jesus. <laughs> um, and so I would see that stuff. Like I would see that difference. And then when it, when I got started going out to L.A., the thing I noticed is the first one of the first shows that I learned this on. I did a show at the Improv, and. I had my intro was he's from Denver and that was the worst idea I could have had because you could see them instantly kind of go where and like shut down (laughs) like you could you could sort of just see it it wasn't that the club wasn't great or whatever but the lineup I was on was like famous 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 and then I was nobody and my intro wasn't even any credits or anything it was literally I'm from a city 
you don't care about. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so it was like, you know, it was a little, and there was like industry and it was just, it was, and I think I was like a little spooked about the whole thing. So I remember it feeling really hard. Yeah. Like I remember it feeling very difficult. Um, but it's not, it's not now. I think it's just, you know, I was, it was years ago. I was new and it was, you know, I didn't, I think crowds are like crowds. Like they can see it when you're, when you're scared. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Justine, have you had the opposite of that when you say you're from LA where people kind of prejudge, oh, here we I go. Think, yeah. Like, oh, who is this bitch? You know? <laughs> yeah. Your words. Yeah. No, much. I think I also look a certain way that people are like, well, I, I mean, half the time people come up to me and are like, I didn't think she, you were going to be funny, but then you were really funny. Cause I don't find many women funny. And I'm like, is this supposed to be a compliment? Right, or right. like, <laughs> literally, when you came on stage, you did not look funny. Um, and this is uh, an embarrassingly cliched question, and oh, I suspect please. you've had it before. Sure. But I've been doing, I've got about 100 interviews here at Looney's, and I think you're probably the third female comic that I've interviewed. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, because I've never, you know, and I think most comedians would agree funny is funny. I, man, woman, mm -hmm. black, white, doesn't matter. Definitely. And yet it's still a predominantly white guy with a flannel shirt and a beard. Yeah. On, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. it is. So, what, I mean, can you, having done this as long as you've done it now, can you yeah. kind of point to anything? Well, that, I feel like it's come a long way, um, you know, with people like Whitney and Amy Schumer. And, you know, there are, it's funny because most of my girlfriends in L.A. are all comics. Um, but I think that it's just, it is just still a boy's game you know i didn't want to do stand-up when I, I was like i'm an actress i don't i'll do improv comedy but i'm not gonna do fucking stand-up you know like no and then and, and I, why was that though what was your i don't know i think it was just like i don't know if it was i it, it just never it's because it seemed like a, a thing that a dude in a flannel shirt would do you know and then i was like wait there aren't a lot of girls who look like me doing this mm -hmm. i'm gonna do that and then I'll be, you know, because I knew I was, after doing improv, I had been doing it for like three years. So I was like, okay, I know I'm funny. I get it. Let's try this. And it, I mean, it went well enough, like I said, the first time that, but I don't know. I think it's just girls are afraid to be silly and they want to, I don't know, maybe they're trying to like look hot to guys. I don't know. <laughs> I think funny is attractive though. So I, I don't know. Yeah. In LA, there are certainly more girls, though, I think, than in Denver, for sure. There are a lot yeah. of female comics. I mean, do yeah. you think that, I mean, like I said, that question's kind of a cliched thing, but do you think that's even a valid question anymore, or is that something like, nah, it's not? Well. It depends on where you are, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like, there's like a lot of, there's like a decent amount of, of funny, funny women in Denver, and LA has a ton, and Portland has a lot, Austin has a lot. I mean, they're definitely there. You definitely see, um, you definitely see less, and you definitely see less inclusion because it is such a boys' club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel like the bar is higher for women? Like you can be okay as a guy and pretty funny, but if you want to make it as a woman, you're going to have to be the funniest. Yeah, I feel like just because there's so much that's been said in the past, and just the stipulation that women aren't funny, like you have to kind of go that extra mile and prove yourself i don't know that's just my opinion yeah. but um yeah there are so many funny women and i'm really happy there are two women on my show tonight me and the lovely janae barris oh you mean janae okay <laughs> <laughs> I, was I was like wait i mean troy is a woman how does heart. she know <laughs> how do they all know um but looking at lineups it certainly is like eight guys and two girls yeah. you know well, yeah, a well, lot for, of time. For, for both of you, I know you've had, you know, a tremendous amount of success, you know, kind of... Well, let's, I mean, let's tone it down. No, 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 no. We I both mean, booked commercials. <laughs> Does that, is that what you're talking about? Well, let's, let's settle down, right? <laughs> I was going to say, like, relative to the guy cooking tonight. <laughs> I no, mean, let's, let's bring it down. <laughs> okay, well, let's do this then. Um, Justine, you were now did you you were did just for laughs in montreal yes i did it the same yeah year we as were the Troy. same yeah okay yeah that's what that, i was going to ask you about that that type of an experience i know you can't really quantify what that did for you from either a creative standpoint or a career standpoint I, I can. It, yeah so that's kind of my question then how does the how does that type of, of an event help i mean i think it may i think it probably 
was a bigger deal for me maybe than I mean I think it's a huge deal for both of us but for me I was unrepped already and I was in Denver yeah just because Troy was less known because yeah. he was in Denver I, I and was it, not known at all yeah really put him on the map <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? like it's like rocket fuel to your career um, especially if you're unrepped like I went like literally the week before I went to JFL I was just working a desk job at like, uh, you know, doing financial analysis stuff downtown Denver. And then literally the next week you're in Canada, you're at a party and oh. every agency and every like casting and every network and all of them are, have just watched you do stand up and are now talking to you yeah. and like ask, giving you their card and like setting mm -hmm. up meetings and like, like a week, like one Thursday, I'm in Denver with nothing. And the next Thursday, I have an offer from Gersh for like representation. And it's all because of that festival. Gotcha. And then I got management out of that. And I started getting auditions. And I got, you know, and and so like a year later, literally like a year from a year to the day, I was living in Los Angeles with agents, managers, and had already been on TV twice <laughs> and with more like with tons of auditions and like all this other stuff happening just because of that festival without that festival. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd spent, you know, years sure, sure. doing stand up and all that stuff. But without that festival, I'm probably I wouldn't I wouldn't live there. I, w I probably like I would want to, but it wouldn't have been, you know, it, it wouldn't have my entire life changed in a year because of that festival. Like it's a huge deal. And Justine, what about you? What was the, I, well, I had already had some steam rolling. Um, I had done a few things and, um, you know, it was, it was great for me for sure. I booked a couple things with MTV. I got in really tight with them and, um, but it wasn't as, I mean, it was cool and it's a really cool, you know, kind of thing to check off your list of it's like a cool comic thing to do and it's such an honor um but it didn't change my life as much as troy's yeah. if, I, if there was a show that i booked for mtv that would have that i was direct result of doing that festival that had it gone which it didn't i would have had to move to new york so that would have been as life-changing right, as right. Troy's. but not everything but it at least put you in a position yeah, to a, yes. even have that experience exactly yeah. yes and actually yeah i mean that whole rest of the year i was very busy and i was going to new york you know but basically for the, you know thanksgiving through new year's i was just between denver and new york for the holidays and work so yeah yeah i mean it was pretty it was it changed the game for me too, you know. Yeah. So, so kind of to, to dovetail on, you know, just uh, just for laughs and that experience. At what point in both of your careers did you feel like you could look in the mirror and go, "I'm I'm a professional stand-up comedian. This is what I do now." I'll like let you, you said, know you when I find uh, when I find <laughs> out. Seriously, you don't feel like you. Well, it's just that, like, no, it's it's like because that's a leap. I think there's a lot of people who are brilliant comedians but they're still a day job. They're doing phone sales. They're doing something to kind of just pay the rent. Yeah. And the guys that are the road comics, oftentimes they can find that they're stuck doing this because I have to be on the road to make money. Mm -hmm. I can't hold down a job because I'm on the road. You know, that mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, th I mean, um, I guess for me anyway, uh, what I guess it's sort of, and I don't know if this is a perfect answer for your question, but... It's LA presents so much opportunity in so many areas that like, I actually had Brad Williams explain it to me like this. He, this was like, I was opening for him at Comedy Works like probably three years ago. And the way he explained it was like, there's the comics in LA that go out on the road and their money is just continuously climbing. It just like year after year, it just starts to go up and they just slowly can ask for more from clubs and blah, blah, blah. Because they've built, there's begin building an audience, this right, and right, that. and then there's the um, comics that stay in LA, and occasionally they go out and they audition and they do the other things, and their money is like it like spikes, it right. like goes up and then it comes down, and then it goes up and then it comes down because you never know, and you kind of have to choose which one of those you want to be. Um, so. I don't really, I, I, I don't really find myself in the position of having to go like, well, I might be stuck in like, you know, like on the road just trying to make ends meet because kind of the thing about it is like 
when you've gotten to where I think Justine and I are, that's less of a threat. Like, cause there's so many other things you can be trying to generate money from. I mean, well, and you guys are both open to that where it's not like if an opportunity came up for a TV show or for a commercial or whatever it is, whereas a lot of comics are just, I'm a, I'm a comic. That's all I know. And that's all I want to do. And so does LA kind of cultivate that idea of like, I'm, I'm a comedian, but I'm also going to go to auditions and I'm going to, you know, I, it, I think especially for me, since I started in acting and that's how I always viewed myself. Uh, and that's still what I want to do. I didn't realize I would like stand up as much as I do. Um, but I think because I, you know, I had always kind of been a writer too. It's kind of the perfect right. combination for that. So when I started, I was like, Oh, this will just be a vehicle to get, to a certain place and then I'll just do movies and be done. And, <laughs> but now I, I really like stand up and I don't think I'll ever stop doing it. Yeah. You know, um, like I want to tour and do big theaters and is it like the autonomy of stand up where you, you write it, you perform it. No, there's no editor other than Justine. And yeah. That kind I, of thing. I like that. Cause with improv, it's like, you know, you can throw someone a really great suggestion and they'll just fucking miss it you know and it's like but then you can't judge them because then you're a bad improviser but with stand-up you're the only person on stage right. you know so if it succeeds it's all on you and if it fails it's all on you and yeah i like that i love improv too but i really only like it when i'm doing it with really good improvisers right, you know right. you know i think like i think for me because i like came in like as a stand like the stand-up was like you know, I was doing it years before I ever even thought of it as something that could, you know, I mean, I've been doing it almost two years when I was like, I guess I'll go to law school. Like before it was ever even anything that I was thought of as like a viable thing. That same old story. Yeah. I guess I'll go to law school. <laughs> yeah. So like, well, so, so when I got to California, I mean, the thing about it is, is they want you to do, and by they, I mean the general they of that city, whether it's managers, agents or whatever, they want you to do all these other things. Um, and that's so cool to get to do and everything. And I think for me, and I don't know about Justine, but for me, sometimes I get lost in that. Like I'll be, you know, I'll spend so much time auditioning and prepping auditions and going to acting classes and going to commercial auditions and trying to write a thing and like, you know, getting notes on that thing and then like being sad cause the notes are bad and then like, <laughs> you know, doing like another thing and you just like can you're just always doing this stuff that's new to you Yeah. that to me, when I get, when I get to go out on the road, like I, I was working, um, like I've gotten to, they, I got to, that's another thing. Like since Montreal, like I started to get to go headline, like great clubs on the road. Like I got to do, I had to do Acme and I got to do in Minneapolis and I got to do rooster tea feathers in, uh, California. And like, you know, hopefully there's more coming, but though, when I get to do that stuff, it's like, Oh, right. There's a thing I'm good at. Because <laughs> well, a lot of the time I'll forget. Fr from a guy like me on the outside looking in kind of the L.A. scene, I think, you know, arguably L.A., New York, if you want to be a, a stand-up comedian, it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. You have to go to L.A. or New York to, at some point in your career. Mm -hmm. Can it be detrimental in the sense that L.A. does have the potential to be very distracting in the sense that, like you were kind of describing, I'm writing, I'm going to an acting class, now I'm doing improv, now I'm doing stand-up, as opposed to being like really myopic that I'm going to be the best stand-up comedian, period. I'm not going to get lost in all this other... I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. No, I understand. But I mean, can you feel like you're just constantly running and yet everything is, you know, you've got all these plates spinning, but I don't know. I just No, totally. I, like, a lot of times I'm like, I just want to go to New York, you know? Because yeah. it is, you, you can, you usually get paid better for shows in New York, like... Because most shows in L.A. don't pay. I think the improv pays $13 a set. Yeah, there's a few indie shows that are like 20 bucks. Yeah, but um, but like if you host Comedy Juice at Gotham, you get $90, you know? So I think mm -hmm. the potential to just do stand-up and make a living there is definitely better. But like I said, it's like it's a package thing in L.A. Right. And I've always wanted to do TV and movies and, you know, write and create them. But, you know, now that I'm trying to do that, it's like, why did I choose to do this? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> what that's... am I, what? Why did I think that I could, that was someone who could do this? Well, that's like the thing is like, what I mean is that stuff is amazing to get to do. Like mm -hmm. if you get, when you get like those like audition breakdowns, mm -hmm. like sometimes if you really like take a second to appreciate 
the things that are on that yeah, page. Yeah. Like, oh, this is for DreamWorks no, and blah, blah, blah. It's I, I went amazing. in for the next Star Wars movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's insane. Like, it's what? Um, the yes. stuff you get to do is... <laughs> Episode eight. <laughs> it's amazing. But at the same time, I'm. it's very new for right. me. So... It's. Yeah. I feel like I'm not good at it, and I and you're just doing so much of that stuff that you're new at, and you don't feel good at, and isn't your thing. That when you finally get to go to a club, yeah. and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I agree." <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not terrible, and I'm already pa- getting paid yeah. and hired to do this." Oh, right. Yeah, like, oh right, there was a th- like. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like in my apartment going like, why do they yeah. even care? Who Like, yeah. why am I here? I, why do they like me? I, <laughs> I had an improv teacher who was also my acting teacher once say, you know, acting is a job. Where, like, what? who in their right mind would pick a job where you literally go on a job interview like almost every day? Like, you'll spend the rest of your life Oh my gosh, interviewing. yeah. And it's yeah. so and true. And there's only a handful that get to that level yeah. where the phone rings yeah. and they go, hey, Justine, we've got a part for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all, all the other people interviewing for the job look exactly yeah, like, look right. like you. <laughs> they will yeah. kill you yeah. to get, get yeah. that part. Would yeah. stab you in the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. If there was a parking lot. Yeah. But there isn't. You have to pay for you parking. You have to pay. And you'll probably get a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and the thing is, and, and part of the reason I do this podcast is I've, I've got obviously a real, you know, affection for, for stand-up comedy in general. And I, I just probably to a fault, I really am enamored with what you do and not necessarily just getting up on stage and telling jokes, which in and of itself is just an amazing skill and gift or whatever those things are, but also the world that you're in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an older guy. <laughs> and so to see like that, to me, the excitement of that town would be infectious and not uh, and wouldn't drag you down. Like I'm, I'm asking these questions. Like, aren't you guys ready to quit? No, I, My I, God, how do you? I don't mean it that way. Yeah. It's the exact I'll, opposite of that. I'll say I've been there for ten years, so I do have times when I'm like, I don't. I've been here for ten years. I'm not. I'm not Julia Roberts yet. Let's pack it up and go home. <laughs> you know. Um, but then there's still that like dream as corny as it sounds inside that I'm like I've, this is all I've ever wanted to do I have nothing else to go do this is all I've put all my eggs in this basket <laughs> right. for, I mean I've been, been in acting classes my whole life when I was in Denver I had an agent and worked in high school and college and stuff and it's just I don't know how to do anything else like I have no other skills well and plus I would imagine the challenge is you know putting all the eggs in one basket but it's it's an it's eggs in a basket you love yeah it's not it like, is true it's not know, like oh I hate this basket Right. Fuck this basket. Get it out of my life. Because I think there's a lot of people like me. I've got corporate world sure. day job, and sure. that basket is a shitstorm. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But I'm literally stuck in that basket. I'm, you know, I'm not. But I mean, you know, just because of how my life is structured, yeah. that basket is like I can't get out of this goddamn yeah. basket. Yeah. But at least you guys are, you know, and I'm using the air quotes, stuck in a basket. Where yeah. It's like I really like this when you have those great nights or you meet cool people yeah. or yeah. you know whatever it is. So. I mean, it's. I think it's the most fun, soul-crushing thing you could possibly be involved in. <laughs> like a, it's that's a T-shirt. It's a bla- Like it's an absolute blast, and and I I think that even outside of just the industry thing, like LA is just a fun for me because it's new. Like I, it's just a fun city. Like it's just there's just so much you can do there's so many different so things. many tacos for you to eat there's a lot of tacos <laughs> for me to eat um and there's like but i mean you know i mean justine's gonna take a shot on this but there is that like thing about like what do you want at three in the morning do you want thai do you want ramen do you want pizza do you want tacos do you want italian <laughs> anything yeah anything at all and you it'll know. probably be at some cool place that overlooks the whole city or some insane shit like that like it's i think it's it's so it's so fun to be in a city with that much going on and that much you can try to do and like you know I love Denver it'll always be home sure, like sure. LA will never I don't think be home home but that kind of variety and that kind of thing when all your friends are mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing and you're always meeting new creative people that are trying to do stuff and like even the people that aren't trying to do like acting or like stand up or anything or just like are doing other cool stuff like you like everyone's doing cool fun things and i just think it's it's weird it feels like it feels like we're all in neverland sometimes yeah Yeah, that's true (laughs) 
I'll say that's true. Don't you think? Like, yeah. doesn't it feel like kind of sometimes I mean, like we're... no one wants to grow up in LA. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it feel <laughs> like None of that? us have families. Like, you we're kind of all just on this, like, island where we're, we're all... We're all just alone <laughs> kids running around trying to fly. It's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And yeah. And all Basically. Kind of. Seriously. Like, <laughs> that's how it is. Don't you think it feels like, like, like you... There you are on a Wednesday... And it's like, you know, me and Justine at the Grove, like eating food and she's got like her dog, like, and it's like a Wednesday afternoon and we have nothing else to do that day except maybe send some emails. Maybe send one email. (laughs) And I I think like the only analogy, it's not even an analogy, like an anecdote I have, because again, I'm kind of enamored with LA and I do think it gets shit on, you know, as far as, you know, superficial and this, but it's still, it's, it's a hub of creativity and a lot of amazing things come out of Los Angeles, whether you like it or not. That's the, that's fact. That is fact. And so my son and I were out in Los Angeles um, two or three years ago. Um, it was for his graduation, and we were at um, Amoeba Records. And Jim Carrey was in Amoeba mm-hmm. Records. And to me, that was like the most L.A., like my head was going to explode. I yeah. grew up with that guy. Yeah. I'm running through Amoeba to find my son going, dude, I think Jim Carrey is down. Oh and so to me, that represents what L.A. is all about, like just that creativity. And again, he is he's created art you know, whether you're using that term loosely or not, that affected my life. I mean, I grew up watching mm-hmm. him and admiring him. Yeah. And so I kind of lay that template on you guys. Like you're the, the next generation doing that work out well, of Los Angeles. Hopefully. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and again, you know, he, he's like the example of worked hard, which you guys do. And then it was just luck. He just happened to hit the right thing at the right time and the rest yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? In terms of like yeah. whatever success is, you know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. And so I, I could talk to you guys for hours. I know there's a show getting ready to start, but my last really generic and lame question is, what is success for you guys? What does that look like? Like, what does that mean to you to either at this stage in your career or 10 years from now looking back saying, this, this has been a successful run for me? What does that look like? Mm, I want to say something more than just, just like getting, I would say just being able to work and do what you want to do and not have like a day job you know like just continuing to get work at this point you know right there's i mean you're saying that kind of sheepishly yeah. but that's but like yeah i mean people shit on commercials a lot but they pay very well yeah. you know great. they're really good they're really and good. They can be, <laughs> yeah i would imagine they could they be are fun. funny and they're yeah. fun and, and they're a boost a day. for your career yeah, i remember yeah, totally. opening for uh, john reap up in Denver, the he did the Dodge Hemi. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the place just went crazy for. And he's a great comic and a really mm-hmm. nice guy. But I, I'm thinking a lot of people, it's the Dodge guy, and yeah. they're flipping yeah. out because he yeah. was on TV. Yeah. So yeah, there's no. You're saying that kind of like well, I you're know. settling. Or yeah, something. yeah. No, Flo from Progressive Absolutely. was my improv teacher at the Groundlings before no she made it. That was her day job. No kidding. Yeah, no. she was just on uh, Spontaneous Nation with uh, Paul F. Tompkins. He's got oh, a podcast. Cool. Yeah, and she was one of the improvisers she's great. on Yeah, that, she's so. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she has to be making millions of dollars oh, off she's of just a commercials. Well, and the sure. reason I ask that question, because I'm hopeful that this podcast, and I'm not going to lie to you, there's tens of people listening yeah. to this podcast, <laughs> but if it's young comedians that are, yeah. you know, have stars in their eyes and I want to be Seinfeld or I want to be Louis C.K. or whatever, I think the idea of success being like, dude, you're doing something you love yeah. for a living. Yeah. To me, that's success. That and success. I think people get wrapped up in, well, what have you been on? Or yeah. I don't recognize you. I don't give a shit. I'm getting paid to yeah. tell jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I asked that kind of lame question. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like that question. <laughs> and yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page about well, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess like to me it's kind of it's kind of hard to say because the whole thing is about seeing how far we can go like seeing what we can do like and you don't really know until you've done it like you can't you know what i mean right right like i think it'd be great you know like on the on a base level you know you want what everybody else wants right like you want a car a place safe place to stay and um in la it's in that order because the car can be your safe place to stay <laughs> if it needs to be. Right. Um, and, you know, like, be able to, you know, eat and, you know, have clothes. You want, like, the basic essentials and, like, health insurance and, like, that stuff. On, like, a base level, you know, be able to save for retirement. But I think it kind of goes a little past that because it never really... I don't know that it ever really ends. Yeah. You know right. I mean, like, I think you just... You just keep plugging away because it is the thing that you like and that you want to do. And there's always these cool new things to do. But I think that makes it hard to quantify what 
like what would make me be like you know i really made it yeah you know what i mean like right. it's hard to say because i think you'll just keep swinging as yeah. long as you can and i think you could ask that question of any occupation go to a, an attorney or a producer and what success and they're going to give the same answer yeah it's well, like well as long as i can keep working yeah well as an attorney it'd be like when i made enough money to quit being <laughs> <an attorney. laughs> about about yeah when i've made like enough money to like yeah. stop doing this yeah. and retire but i think that we don't like i don't know about justine but i don't really contemplate any sort of like traditional retirement kind no. of thing so I mean, it yeah. has to be quantified a little differently yeah. i think well, and you again know? if you're doing something that you love to do I was actually just listening to an interview with Meryl Streep and, you know, she mentioned something about like, I haven't retired yet, but part of me is thinking she loves what she does and she's amazing at it. So retirement's like, well, why would I retire? That'd be like giving up. I like to bowl, so yeah. I'm not going to bowl, whatever. Yeah. That's a horrible analogy. No, but, totally. But you know what I mean? If you enjoy doing stand-up or acting or improv, I'll do that till I physically can't yeah. do it anymore because <laughs> yeah, I yeah. enjoy doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don Rickles is exactly, still doing shows Eddie in Vegas. White. Yeah, Bob Newhart. Yeah. I mean, all those guys. Joan Rivers. Yeah. Like, I think that's like the thing is that it never ends, which is both really cool and also kind of terrifying yeah. <laughs> when you think about how it can make you feel sometimes totally. that's yeah. true you know there's like that documentary uh did you ever watch that the joan rivers one? Oh my god it's amazing it was on netflix did oh, you ever see yeah, that yeah, 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 where yeah. she's like i mean the woman's what she was like 80 yeah. something and she's like flipping through her book going like i don't have enough booked because like that, it just that always that documentary was like beautiful and brutal and it, it was just incredible to see and and I have to admit I don't really have much of an appreciation for Joan Rivers sort of in the pantheon of comedy that's not my I never found her type of stuff funny that real mm -hmm. but you can't deny like what she did for comedy in general and certainly for female yeah. comedians giving them a voice where it's like yeah a woman can get on stage and say fuck and yeah. that's fine if yeah. it's funny that's fine yeah yeah but that that it was a really good example yeah, I mean, where she was in yeah. her 70s 80s I think she was in her like she was like hundreds 80s she was 200 she was, years it was old. like yeah, yeah it was like 80s yeah. and she's like you know dig, she's like going through this calendar and yeah. like you know she's like she's in this like palatial like new york apartment and yeah, she's like staff everywhere I, and she's like i don't know if i got i mean i don't know what's what am i and doing, then she's, doing <laughs> and then she's doing like shitty gigs in wisconsin in yeah. a blizzard and, and all this and that's amazing. the thing it's is amazing. like it's yeah. like you know it's like this love hate like yeah it'll i, think I don't know called, that it'll ever i think it's called a piece of me and i think it's on netflix so i definitely it's encourage definitely you to check netflix. it out it's yeah. fantastic and it's yeah. awesome and it's i think it's that i think it's that like you know we'll always hopefully just keep trying you yeah. either keep tr swinging or you burn out yeah. one of the two you know yeah. Well, I like to end every podcast praising Joan Rivers, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> so do I. So Justine, Troy, this was awesome. Like thank I said, you. I could so talk to you guys for hours. Wish you nothing but the best. Thank you and so Enjoy much. your weekend. Thank you. Carry on. Thank you. So there you have it. Stand-up comedians Justine Marino and Troy Walker. My sincere thanks to both for taking time out to be on the show. Uh, certainly wish them nothing but the best as their careers continue to grow. Thank you to Eric and the fine folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. You can find the In the Springs podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore MetaJunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.